0: What's going on and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seakeek I'm Daniel Sallerson. Hope this Wednesday finds you well. Hope everyone is keeping an eye on Hurricane Delta and hope everyone stays safe throughout the Louisiana Gulf Coast. We have a great podcast for you this week as the NBA Finals hopefully don't wrap up on Friday. But just in case, we wanted to bring in Joel Myers, television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, to get his perspective on what's going on as the Lakers lead the Heat 3-1 to after their win last night in Orlando. We'll also hear from Caroline Gonzalez later on in the show, check in on her. Um, But first, let's bring in Joel Myers to talk about not only the NBA Finals, but uh, the Pelicans collected a little bit more hardware yesterday, an individual award for Drew Holiday, the Twineman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, the first time in Pelicans franchise history that a player has received this award. The award started in 2013, so it's not an old award, but nonetheless, Drew Holiday with the big award Joel. And I know you go back a long time with Drew Holiday, knowing him back to his high school days. So it probably didn't surprise you that Drew was able to pick up this award yesterday.
1: No, but always nice to see recognition that's well deserved. Uh it upsets me though, and we'll get into that in a little bit, that Drew wasn't honored as a first team or even second team all defensive player. Uh we gotta, you know, we all have been around Drew a long time now. So we've had a good idea of what Drew's all about, which is team first, which is every every locker room would appreciate a guy like Drew. In fact, I don't know if you picked up on J.J. Reddick's comments, because I guess he was on with uh, Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes yep. on their show or their podcast, and he went down all the things, and he raved about living in New Orleans. And at the end, he goes, maybe the best thing of all, though, was I became a teammate and got to know Drew Havaday. And that kind of sums it up because once you're around Drew and his wife, Lauren JT, it's just, Drew's an amazing young guy. He's an a mature young guy and he's inclusive. That's, what's great about Drew. And that goes back to his family. And I, we've known that my son played high school ball with, with Drew. And we've, we've been fortunate because our family has known the holidays forever. And that's a good thing. So it's great to be around quality people like that, but that, uh, now, to a lot of people forget Drew averaged 20 points a game, don't they?
2: they Seven
1: do. a game. And, oh, by the way, he's one of the best lockdown defenders in the NBA. But for some reason, a lot of these teams, and especially when it comes to those types of teams, when it comes to the individual awards, uh, everybody's scrutinized because it's public knowledge. But at the same time, when it comes to all defense, first and second team, I think it's a lot of reputation. It's not what you actually did that year. So a lot of guys are living on things and and then the hype. And and are you in a big enough market? And what surrounds you? And do you get promoted enough? Well, we've talked about Drew nonstop, AD and I, and I know you guys have on radio as well, but they don't look at Drew Holiday for some reason in, in the same way that his peers do. So those that were voting, I don't even understand how he didn't make first or second team. Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders, regardless of position in the NBA. And then you couple that with what he brings offensively in the locker room. He he is the complete player. And we're really fortunate to have him with the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm not objective. You know that, Daniel. I care about him and his family so much. But I'm just amazed at, at the omission, the oversight, that he wasn't on either first or second team. So I'm glad to see this because uh, it's good to know that everybody out there is going to realize what a quality person we have with New Orleans.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned it with the awards, and what's great about this award that he just won is it's voted on by the players. And so you can hear from different players around the league, they talk about his defense and how he's one of the best on-guard defenders in the league. They talk about you know how he's one of the best defensive players in the league. So the players notice, and they notice this with the award, So it is amazing to see how many players respect Drew around the league.
1: Yeah, he's he's an incredible individual. He's mature beyond his years. And he's a guy, he's a quiet sort. He leads by example because he just gets the job done. He is ultra consistent at both ends of the floor. So as I said, I'm not objective. I think it's well-deserved, but I'm I'm still in disbelief that he is not on first team, let alone second team, all defense. A lot of reputation going into this, and and a, a bunch of guys that vote on this, they're not doing their homework at all.
0: No, not at all. Um, let's let's go now to the NBA Finals in Orlando as uh, the Lakers get the third win of the NBA. <laughs> and, uh, and Maddie is my dog is not too
1: happy about what happened last night as the
0: Lakers are up. No, points.
1: there's a lot of people that feel the same way as Maddie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But let's talk about uh, the game. Let's talk about the series overall, because when you and Todd talked last week, you all were just previewing the series, so no games have started yet. Now we're four games in, and a lot has happened between the injuries that Miami has dealt with with Bam Adebayo and Gordon Drogge is still unable to play after injuring his foot in in game one. Um, The Heat with an impressive win in game three uh, without those two guys. So before we get into last night's game, tell me an overall perspective of what you've been seeing during these NBA finals?
1: Well, going in, there's no question the Lakers should have been heavily favored. They've got two guys that are top five all NBA. They've got one guy who's maybe one of the best we've ever seen in our lifetime. He is one of the best we've ever seen in our lifetime. And he imposes his will. So, and he's got rings and MVPs and everything else. So he's a leader, period. And as we found out, LeBron texted the guys during the day before game four to let them know how much that game meant to him. So he's a great leader in that locker room. There's no question about that. And then you've got another top five guys that we've all seen for seven years in New Orleans. His first sure year now with LA, uh, but Anthony Davis. And so Anthony Davis was out of the game for the most part in Game Three. Didn't find a rhythm, early foul problems, and turnovers. But that was not the case in Game Four. But going in, the Lakers are a veteran team against a young team. A lot of people forgot that going into this, when you look at Bam out and and the guys that Miami had to have performed at a high level, like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, and then the infatuation I didn't understand in Game 4 with Kendrick Nunn and why he was on the floor as much as he was, but they're they're inexperienced where the Lakers are a veteran group besides LeBron and AD, Dwight Howard, Danny Green's got rings, Contavious Caldwell Pope, a vet, and then you've got Rondo with the, the ring in in 2008 with Boston. These guys have been there, done that. And then they picked up Marquise Morris on a buyout and picked him up right before. So as he became eligible for postseason play, this is a veteran Laker group. And then you combine that with two top five players. They should have been prohibitive favorites. With that said, Miami has played their guts out for Eric Spolstrom and especially at the defensive end of the floor. And they they did play hard in game four. But some of the decisions, I just didn't understand, Daniel. And then I thought at times Jimmy Butler passed up wide open shots because in game three, Jimmy Butler reminded me of Kawhi Leonard. He was going to get his, whether it was an assist, whether it was a bucket, and maybe he over-assisted or tried to in game four because he passed up great looks in the mid-range game really good looks trying to get others involved and especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter when it was a very close game
0: let's go to the lakers for a second because i thought what stuck out to me yesterday you know we, we know what lebron can do we know what anthony davis can do and we talked about it um in the, in the western conference finals about who's going to be that third guy to step up and you brought up a couple guys really can be that third guy they just combine the play well but i feel like last night Tavius caldwell pope really stood out with a couple big threes a couple big shots that he's not only had in in game four but some other games here in the nba finals um he seems to be a real x factor for the lakers um besides the two guys and anthony davis and lebron james
1: i agree and to me he exceeded expectations during the regular season he got off to a slow start during the regular season but then he really picked it up and he's a willing defender he likes to work at that end of the floor as well. He fights through picks. So, Contavius Caldwell Pope, and he, he's making money right now because it's a player option for him next year at 8.4. And oh, by the way, he's represented by Clutch Sports. So, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think yeah. he's staying with the Lakers. What they might do is they'll opt out and then they give him a couple of extra years. So, instead of one year, it's a three or four year deal for Contavius Caldwell Pope. And, and he deserves it. He's playing hard for him. And then, Last night, he didn't force a thing in game four. Give him credit for that. He played at a real high, efficient level. He only had one turnover with five assists as well and 32 minutes of play. So, yeah, he was the third guy. There's no question about that. And he had struggled over a couple of games in the finals. He wasn't shooting that well. But during the regular season and earlier in the bubble, he had been a factor. So there's that vet. You know he's going to have one of those games even more than Danny Green. And Danny Green got Half his shots to go down last night, a third of his threes to go down because Danny Green had really lost his stroke, but he hit that one early and then he hit another one. You could hear him scream after it went in. So they've got guys that have been there, done that. And that's what was missing for Miami. This is Jimmy Butler's first experience as a leader uh, in a finals series. And I wanted to see Jimmy Butler shoot a little bit more last night. He took 17 shots. And a lot of people say, well, that was plenty. And he was an assist off a triple-double. But he needed to take north of 20 shots easy for them to succeed. And he passed up some great looks. Whereas Kendrick Nunn was on the floor for 25 minutes. And granted, I know they needed to give a couple of guys a breather. But at the same time, he didn't need to take a lot of shots. He was two for 11. And also Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, to me, was a... a really just grinded out kind of guy who didn't mind mixing it up inside as well and taking the ball to the basket. But recently over the last few weeks, if you look at his boxes, all of his shots have been three pointers. I mean, 10 of his 12 in a previous game were threes last night in game four, he took seven shots. All seven were threes. It's like, he's allergic to going inside the arc. So a couple of guys that needed to do a little bit better, like Crowder, And then Crowder lost his guy on the baseline a couple of times, didn't box out at critical moments in the fourth quarter, but none and Crowder settled too much for three pointers.
0: Do you sense a little fatigue in Miami? I mean, of course you can say fatigue for both teams because they've been in the bubble for so long, but do you you get a sense with the the injuries that they've dealt with and and now down three one, it just seemed like yesterday they weren't in as much of a rhythm as they were maybe in that game three where they were able to get the win. Did you sense that maybe they came out a little flat or there was a little fatigue in them?
1: No, I maybe mentally, you know, you brought up being down there that long and in the bubble, but Jimmy played back-to-back games in 45 minutes and he's in great shape. And then you got to remember, Daniel, the breaks are much longer during the finals. Yeah. So those breaks are three minutes. And then if you take a guy out a minute or two before the end of the quarter, he's getting his heart rates coming back down because he gets five or six minutes. So I think, psychologically to your point, yes, and especially for the younger guys. They didn't do enough dribble handoffs or pin downs to free up Duncan Robinson. Robinson actually, his first shot went in and out and his stroke looked great all night. For some reason, he took seven shots in 33 minutes and none took 11 shots in 24, 25 minutes. So the shot distribution was kind of puzzling to me and then at back to your original premise, psychologically, hero really ne- He was loose. He needed to tighten things up. It was like, it was an open gym to him to start the game and to take the ball and attack LeBron when he didn't have to, or miss that layup where he could have stopped and let the man go by him in the open court and transition. So hero is learning. He's gifted. There's both guys are really talented. Hero's only 20 Duncan Robinson's only 26. So the bright future with Bam out of at 23 continues for Miami. Their core is getting unbelievable reps right now. But at the same time, they need to find more shots for Duncan Robinson. He was really good. He had 17 points on seven shots last night. So they've got to find a way. It's not over. For the most part, I don't see them coming back. But they can get another game. There's no question about that. And they have rest now. They don't play again until Friday, uh, game five.
0: All right, so let's go to game Friday before I let you go. Like you mentioned, two days off in between these games, so I'm sure they'll be watching a lot of film and getting back on the practice court. But how can Miami extend this series? What's going to be the key on Friday in order for them to keep their uh, championship hopes alive?
1: Well, defensively, they have have no issues. They held the Lakers to 44% shooting overall and 35% on the the threes. It's just decisions at the offensive end. And the guys that should be taking shots – and then where are the shots coming from? So they'll look at the film. They're, Eric Spoelstra is one of the best coaches we have in the league. Frank Vogel is one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA. And they did a good job, job because they held the, the Heat only 43% shooting in game four. Uh, but Miami defensively, they're going to be able to stay in the game because of the way they lock down and they really wall off the paint. So they did a great job on that last night. But it's just decisions at the offensive end of the floor, as far as I'm concerned. And and they can't complain about the whistles because they got to the free throw line early and often. They had more free throws than the Lakers. At one point, it was 14-3 to in attempts. But they attacked early. I think they settled late. So I think it's decisions and shot distribution, for the most part, for Miami. Hero got his up, and he has to for them to succeed. But some of them were ill-advised. And I'm talking about inside the arc more than outside the arc. Because he was 8 of 18 and 3 of 7 on his threes. So I like what Hero and Robinson are doing. Robinson's got to get more shots. And the Jimmy Butler's got to be selfish. He, he was only a dime off a triple-double. But he needs to take more mid-range shots for them. He took a couple of threes, and that's not his game. In fact, he was 0 for 3 from beyond the arc. And he took that one at the end of the quarter that was an air ball that we all saw. But that's not his game. Kawhi can get away with it and he only takes two or three threes a game. But Jimmy Butler inside the arc needs to impose his presence. And also, even though he was six of seven at the free throw line, get the stripe more often. Because the previous game, what was he, 12 or 14 at the free throw line, double the output of attempts there. So Miami, I think they can get another game. I'd love to see him make a series of it. But defensively, they should be able to stay in the game. It's the decisions of the offensive end of the floor. And then everybody gets hurt. There's injuries impacting all teams. Uh, They've got to find a way uh, to persevere through the injury to Goran Drogic because he would have been a huge factor for them.
0: All right, let's see if they can bounce back in game number five on Friday. And maybe we'll be talking about a game seven next week. Who knows? But, Joel, uh, it's been great to get some recaps and previews from you during the, the, this NBA postseason. It's hard to believe that, you know, we were talking, I was talking about this with Todd and that at this time last year, we are doing preseason games for this season and it's still mm-hmm. not over. But we'll wow. put a bow on the NBA season here in, in just a few days. I really appreciate you coming on, my friend.
1: Hey, Daniel, thank you for having me. Hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk more next week about the way Miami extended the series. But the last thing I wanted to say, congratulations once again to Drew Holiday. It's Absolutely. well done. We all know what a quality person Drew is. Great family all the way around with Lauren and JT and his mom and dad, brothers, sister Lauren. So I'm just happy for Drew Holiday. Really nice honor.
0: Yeah, we're happy for him too. And of course, we're wanting to see Drew Holiday play in person. And see he can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Pelicans and sing along to our favorite songs. Again, they're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go SeatGeek. Joel, I appreciate the time, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Daniel.
0: All right, let's transition into a more important topic. This is where we get down to the nitty-gritty as far as serious topics here on the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Again, big thanks to Joel Myers for coming on. But joining me now is Caroline Gonzalez. Um, First of all, Caroline, before we get into this really groundbreaking journalism we're about to discuss, and we want to congratulate you on your WDSU opportunity here, local celebrity I have on. We only get the biggest and brightest guest on the show. Just wanted to say congratulations. I'm sure everyone's looking forward to seeing you not only on our platform still, but of course on WDSU.
2: Well, thanks, Daniel. And thank God this is a podcast, because if anyone saw me right now, they'd be like, oh, she's homeless. Um, It's actually (laughs) funny. uh, One of my friends posted me on their story and one of their friends who we know um, said, wow, is that her? I didn't recognize her. I'm used to her looking homeless on y'all's porch. And so, um, you know, that's just uh, par for the course. But thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to for what's to come.
0: In your defense, I look homeless every day, no matter if we're on a podcast or not, so I'm sure it was fine. But we are here to talk about dodgeball, Caroline, and I'm not sure how much dodgeball you played in your career. I refed it in college and intramurals. I have thrown one technical for someone, so I'm quite proud about that. But other than that, really not a lot of experience. But I thought, you know, a couple of days ago, the Pelicans tweeted, who would win in a five on five dodgeball game? There was Team Red with Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, Frank Jackson, Zion Williamson, and Nicola Melly. On the blue team, we got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, and Jackson Hayes. So I thought this would be a good time to kind of break things down on who you think would win between the red team and the blue team. Were you ready to break it down? I'm ready. All right, well, let's start with Lonzo Ball versus Nikhil Alexander-Walker. This is an interesting matchup here as Lonzo represents the red team, Nikhil on the blue team, because you have two point cards there, and both are very good passers. But how do you see that one playing out as far as Lonzo's skill set compared to Nas?
2: Oh, let's see. I think, I think Nikhil is going to be like the silent assassin. You know, that's what I'm going to call him. I think Nikhil is kind of going to out hustle Lonzo. Um, And not that, you know, Lonzo doesn't hustle, but I feel like Nikhil always feels like he has something to prove. And so I I would take Nikhil over Lonzo. And I also feel like Nikhil was that guy in PE who like, you know, out hustled everyone. And it was like, Oh, we want him on our team. So I feel like I'll, I'll pick Nikhil.
0: How much is the advantage for Nikhil maybe because you've seen him go to his left so much and he's been working on finishing with his left, shooting with his left that he could be throwing dodge balls from either hand. How much yeah. that could be a huge advantage for him.
2: <laughs> that could be, he's very uh, ambidextrous. Uh, I think I said that word correctly. I'm have to, to spell it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, especially with how much Nikhil has been working on his left hand, I feel like, yeah, he might come at you from all angles.
0: All right, let's go to uh, Josh Hart versus J.J. Redick. If this was a drinking wine contest, I'd probably call it a draw. but uh, we are going to talk about dodgeball here. J.J. Redick, an incredible shooter, so you might see some accuracy, but the Junkyard Dog and Josh Hart, I'm sure he's going to be all over the place grabbing loose balls and and helping out his teammates. It should be interesting between those two in that matchup.
2: Yeah, I feel like JJ is going to take a little bit more time to warm up, you know, not calling him (laughs) old or anything, but, uh, you know, he's a little bit more wise in his years. So um, it depends how long we get for the warm up. Um, It's funny. I think you listen to his podcast, too, but someone asked him if he's ever gone and um, played basketball immediately after drinking wine. Um, So maybe if we get them both to. drink a bottle of wine before they play dodgeball. Maybe uh, I feel like JJ might have the advantage there, um, but without the bottle of wine, I would have to say Josh Hart just because we call him hustle Hart for a reason. So he's going to go out there and hustle.
0: I mean, they call it old man in the three for a reason. I'm guessing they're just <laughs> referring to JJ Reddick as the old man, but we don't want to insult JJ here on the podcast because he does do a great job with it. Um, but let's move over to Frank Jackson versus drew holiday, best friends off the court enemies on the court today for this dodgeball matchup. Drew Holiday, probably going to be the best teammate on the blue team, winning the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award. And maybe Frank Jackson is the best dressed on his dodgeball team. He probably um, helped design the uniforms for the red team. But on the court, how do you see this playing out?
2: Um, I hate to like – I feel like I'm being ageist, but I feel like I'm <laughs> going to pick the young guy again. But um, – I feel like Drew is would be the guy who gets other players out. Like, I feel like Drew is going to catch the balls, you know, and I, I think, Frank, like you said, he's probably going to have, like, the aerodynamic, like, cutoff tee, you know, that's very fashionable and fashion-forward. Um, and But it just depends which one cares more about their sneakers more. If they're both wearing, like, you know, some expensive Jordan brand sneakers and they don't want to scuff them up on the court, then that's going to – you know play a factor but I think once again I'm going to pick the younger guy I'm going to pick uh, uh,
0: Frank Jackson so you're saying that they could remove themselves from their game early or get hit by a ball early that way they can just get out and not worry about their shoes so exactly
2: exactly that might be it.
0: Um, let's go to Brandon Ingram most improved player versus Zion Williamson of course this is an interesting matchup uh, I feel like with Zion throwing that ball he has so much power that he might be able to take out more than one person on just one throw how do you see yeah. this matchup going
2: um, I actually think I'm going to take B.I. on this one. I feel like B.I. is going to, um, you know, with his length, I feel like he'll, you know, get some momentum going. Yeah. Uh, maybe throw it like a little softball player. No, <laughs> uh, I think I think B.I. is a little bit more agile. I know we have, we know Zion has like the torque and the power and stuff like that. But as far as lateral movements, I think I would take B.I. So I think for once I'm going to take the, the older player and I think I'm going <laughs> to pick B.I. on that one.
0: All right. All right. I like the choice. I like the choice. Seems like right now blue team has the advantage. And before we wrap things up uh, the battle at center, or I guess the battle of the big men, Jackson Hayes against Nicolo Melli And again, more accuracy probably from Melly based on his shooting, but Jackson Hayes, how athletic he is. I mean, he being able to deflect balls, throw them uh, who knows, the sky's the limit with Jackson Hayes on a dodgeball court. I would be curious to see how he would fare out there.
2: Yeah, I would too. And this one I think is the hardest matchup of them all because they're both pretty good bigs and they're both pretty agile. But I think I'm going to take Nico. I think Jackson's one of those guys that you could do the old dodgeball trick where you throw the ball up in the air and he gets distracted Mm -hmm. and then you hit him with (laughs) another dodgeball. I feel like Jackson would get distracted by that. So I think I'm going to take Nico because Nico could outwit him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Will his height and his hair be a disadvantage here with Jackson, an easier target maybe for the other team to, to pick him apart as far as, you know, trying to get him out. I think that, could, that if, could hurt Maybe
2: if one of those balls whiffs his hair. I mean, I think that's an out no matter what. I think we're, we're counting hair as a body part here.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, based on what we're going with, it seems like the blue team would have the advantage over the red team. Would you say that based on, I know you had a couple guys that you would take more, uh with let's see Zion Williamson or Nicola Melli you would take. Um but I feel like the blue team has to have a little bit of
2: an Yeah, I think so. I think the blue team would, would be accurate on that. Especially right. when you got hustle hard on your team.
0: Absolutely. Well clearly because this is the off season, uh the content here is better than ever as uh, we just need to talk some dodgeball here on the Wednesday. Um Caroline, we enjoyed all your work on the Saints podcast. We'll have you back on the Pelicans one soon talking about the EBA draft. But I appreciate you really taking your journalistic skills to a new level here and breaking down this, you know, make-believe dodgeball game that the Pelicans drew up.
2: Happy to do it. What about you? Wait, over. I want to know your opinion. Overall, without like deciding between player and player, would you pick the red team or the blue team and why?
0: I think I'd pick blue. I, I just feel like between Josh Hart and Drew Holiday, you mentioned the heart and Hustle I just think the rookies and their skill set and their athleticism. I I just think blue's gonna have a a distinct advantage here. So I I would think the blue team would take down the red team.
2: I have to agree.
0: All right. Well, the blue team wins in our eyes. And I actually really like to see that. So maybe we can get things going here in the offseason during training camp, maybe, and 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 have these guys battle out on the dodgeball court. But Caroline, thanks again.
2: Thank you, Daniel.
0: Alright, so clearly we had a ton to do on this Wednesday with this podcast. We really appreciate Joel Myers coming on, Caroline Gonzalez. We'll have another one for you next week. We'll probably put a bow on the NBA Finals. We'll also kind of put a bow on this NBA season. We talked about it with Joel that last week, or this week, you know, we were doing preseason games for the 2019-20 season, and we're about to wrap up the same season here in the next couple of days. So we'll have that for you, and then get ready later October, we'll have some NBA draft preview for you. It's only about a month and a half away so we're gonna get closer and closer to that and we'll have more for you there next week i'll do it for this podcast until next week for caroline and joel i'm daniel salerson thanks for listening to the pelican podcast presented by C.